0: That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire Sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire Sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome back to Benched with Bubba. This will be episode nine, your college basketball preview. And on today's episode, we have a special guest. Reigs from barstool sports you can find him on twitter at barstool Riggs, b-a-r-s-t-o-o-l-r-e-a-g-s and he has a storm the court podcast you can find on itunes uh Riggs, thanks for joining us today
2: yeah no problem man yeah, no what's problem? going on
1: what's going on oh not much not much uh man with you know baseball is wrapping up and football in full gear college basketball seemed to come at uh, at least myself very fast and furious it's already here and um i've been following you for a little while and one of the more knowledgeable guys I've uh, I followed on the on Twitter, and you have tons of great information that you're always putting out there. So it's uh, it's a pleasure to have you on here.
2: Well, I appreciate that. My uh, I'm trying to lead the crusade for people to remember college basketball starts in November and not February, like when most people tend to tend to notice it with football. I think you know one of the crazy things that I think is kind of helping is the quote unquote demise of the NFL with the ratings and all that shit. With, and, the, and at the same time, the rise of the NBA and such young talent in the NBA, I think people are starting to realize college basketball is around more. And the other thing that college basketball does is they load you up with great games right off the bat. You're not doing cupcakes. Don't get me wrong. There are cupcakes built into this. It happens when you play 35 games. But right off the bat, you get top 25, top 10 matchups. So they've definitely done a good marketing strategy, but yeah, I, I'm leading the. I'm trying to lead the crusade to remind people that college basketball starts in November.
1: No, and you're doing a great job, and uh, I love I love college sports, at least when it comes to football and basketball, much more than professional. And uh, one reason why I really love college basketball, and it's like you're saying, is they they give you a lot of great matchups from start to finish. Conference play is always phenomenal, but you have all these preseason tournaments. You got. Tomorrow night, um, you got the, the two military games. I believe it's tomorrow night. Uh, yeah. You got all kinds of just awesome stuff that you don't see as often. I know college football is trying to do more of that these days with the playoffs and all that. But um, yeah, it's, it's huge. And the NBA's to me, the product sucks until you get to the playoffs, anyways. Um, basketball, it, college basketball is great.
2: Yeah, I, I disagree with the NBA Notion. I used to think that way. But it's definitely getting a better product, and and from start to go. Um, The other thing with college basketball is puts like college football. Like this year, college football week one, Mm -hmm. you had a ton of great games, but week two was just a dog shit slate of games. Yeah, college basketball. You know, we're recording here Thursday night, Friday night. You get Indiana, Kansas, and Michigan State, Arizona. Well, you don't have to wait two more weeks for another good game. Tuesday, you you follow that up with games that are headlined by Duke, Kansas, and Michigan State, Kentucky. So college basketball, they're able to stagger their games a little bit better. So there's always at least a quality game on um, the majority of the time. There's always at least a quality game on to, to draw your interest.
1: Oh yeah, and no, a week in, week out, you have multiple nights a week where there's something definitely worth checking into. And uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying the NBA is complete garbage. I just think there's a lot, lot more opportunity on nights where you'll see, so and so like teams take a night off basically than right. uh, where in college basketball these kids are playing their ass off all the time and uh, I, I really enjoy watching them play. I wish they could hit free throws a little better, but that's a whole other story. That's more of a gambling. That's more of a gambling anger. And I never understood why they keep fouling down 15 points, but that's just me. Um, Let's get let's get into this. Uh, I noticed on one of your more recent articles, uh there's some rule changes coming up this season. I know like a year or two ago there was uh lame uh, new rules in the lane and other stuff. What what are they going with this year? It's nothing too crazy. You you probably won't notice too much
2: of it. Um like last year the big thing was obviously getting the shot clock from 35 to 30 seconds. That was a noticeable change. This year it's um last year they also cut out you coaches could not call timeout in live ball situations this year they're allowing them call timeouts when your team is inbounding the ball which I'm not a fan of I, I don't think coaches should be able to call timeouts at any point unless it's a true dead ball situation um, I just think it takes away from the flow of the game you know a, a player should kind of have to make that call of timeout or not a coach can see the play develop. From the sideline and immediately start calling timeout at the two three second mark because uh, he's obviously seen the whole floor a little bit clear usually there's not a defender in his face um, so that's kind of the big one i I don't like it I like I said I when you watch like Olympics and the NBA the flow is just so much better because of the lack of timeouts and the lack of of coaching coaches meddling with the game um you know these guys are good enough to play Division I basketball. They've been playing their entire lives. Just let them let them handle timeouts. It's not that big of a deal. Other big one you'll see is in the Big Ten and Mac, they're messing around with a replay on block charges calls in the last two minutes of the game. They can go and see, was he in the circle? Was he out of the circle? I hate it. It's the dumbest thing I've seen. It's going to draw games out just so long. Replaying basketball is tricky because it's so bang-bang. It's not like football. It's not like baseball where, you know, flow the game's a little different there. Obviously, you know, football, plays seven seconds, wait 25 seconds to the next play. Basketball's up and down, up and down, up and down. If you're going to review a block charge call, which is just the dumbest thing in the world, it's just going to drag the end of the games out. Refs just need to stop rewarding flops and charges um i mean it's i never think it's as tough as a call as people make it out to seem you can tell when a guy's there or when he's not i mm-hmm. very few times is it truly bang bang call i i think replay it's just going to i don't see it going any longer than this year but some of those big 10 and mac games are going to be brutal to watch down the stretch
1: yeah no that one i i heard something about the timeouts and yeah i, I agree with you it's just totally plays with the flow and different things like that. But uh, that block charges is going to be crazy the last two minutes because replay, it already affects the flow, like you're saying, uh, gives team extra timeouts late in a game where it's pretty crucial. Um, But on a block charge, like you're saying, especially in the Big Ten, my God, you got those Minnesotas and Wisconsins of the world, and they're always going down low and driving to the basket and everything. And that could get interesting. Um, especially when it's, it shouldn't be that hard to tell if it's, if it's on the cusp of the line, we'll play it as it is. Um, I, I agree. Like the inbounds, out of bounds, uh, tip balls that those little replays seem to help. And I don't like how, like I said, they give teams timeouts, but um, I don't mind that as much, but right, it's, it's a necessary bad. evil with, with those things. I mean, and, and, and honestly, yeah. those replays shouldn't take
2: as long as they should, as they do. I should say no. um, it should be, I mean, when you're sitting on your couch and you can see the ball is clearly off of a guy's foot, that replay should take no longer than
1: 10 seconds. That's what I don't understand. You see it in all the sports too, is we sit at home and us, we can be on Twitter and we'll have the verdict in seconds. And it takes these guys minutes and upon minutes upon minutes. And I don't get it. Right. And uh, get in the same angles we are. Yeah. But man, block charges, that just seems extreme. And I guess good thing. It's not in the ACC or Duke would be in a lot of trouble, but um, that's a whole other story. Let's move on. Uh, new faces, new places, anything, any changes, coaching players, transfers that uh, people might not know about?
2: Yeah, so from a, from a coaching standpoint, the Big 12 is where you, where you really want to pay attention. Um, they got four new coaches off the top of my head, three new coaches. They had Dick Dixon down at TCU, which was the, one of the bigger hires uh, the offseason, getting him back to his alma mater from Pittsburgh. Um, obviously he's won a ton of games at Pittsburgh, but never made the final four kind of a little stagnant there. So they, they get him down there Um, and he's still relatively young. Um, So that, that should work out well. You can already kind of see he's working on getting better talent down there. Um, Then you got Chris Beard and and Brad Underwood at Texas tech and Oklahoma state. Um, I think the, the Underwood hire both hires were good, but at Oklahoma state, um, you inherit a backcourt in Jawan Evans and Phil Forte that is one of the more underrated backcourts in the country. So the Big 12, you, you see some coaching changes there, that, and, and I think you'll see one more after this year. But some three three out of the ten there, um, that really goes a long way. SEC, you got Bryce Drew. He finally left Valparaiso. That was, he was a guy that for the last couple of years was kind of the shocker smart of, all right. When's he leaving, and where's he going? Uh, he was always on. Any time a job opened up, his name was somehow tied to it. Um, so he finally got out of Valpo, ends up Vanderbilt. Uh, but from a transfer situation, there are some big time transfers this year, uh, and some of the transfers are going to be in contention for All American. Um, the two that are really in cont- that would be in contention for All American, Austin Nichols who sat out last year, was at Memphis, went to Virginia. He was a late transfer two seasons ago. Uh, he was like a July transfer, I think it was, um, when he decided to leave Memphis. He's a guy that can protect the rim. He was third in block shots as a sophomore at Memphis. Skilled offensively, he, he really helps fill the defensive void left uh, by Anthony Gill and Malcolm Brogdon. Um, he'll, he'll be that rim protector. And between him and London Parentes, you now have an inside-outside game at at Virginia on the offensive side of the ball. And then out west at Gonzaga, they got Nigel Williams-Goss from Washington. Again, he sat out last year. This kid was a McDonald's All-American. He's a taller, really good point guard. Um, And Gonzaga's had success in the past with Dan Dickow transferring from Washington to Gonzaga. So this is something they're used to. Um... He's a guy that can really contend for second, third team All American, uh, because Gonzaga's gonna be good and, and he'll put up the stats. You know, he can kind of, he can beat you by getting to the rim and scoring. He needs to improve shooting a little bit. Uh, but Gonzaga's a team full of transfers, obviously led by Williams Goss. They got a somewhat late grad transfer in Jordan Matthews, who was at Cal. He's a good shooter. He'll help stretch the floor and bring experience. Uh, and then they have Jonathan Williams, who again settled last year from Missouri, who's a, uh, more of a forward, so right off the bat, you know, three of their top five guys are going to be are going to be transfers. But at least with Williams, Williams, Goss, and William and Jonathan Williams, they've both had uh, time to, to be in the system, sitting out last year. You know, they were able to see practices and all that stuff. So that's going to go a long way. Um, Syracuse they have two transfers in John Gillen and Andrew White, who will help them because they don't have a point guard. Uh, Syracuse, I hear it from my timeline, they, they chir- Syracuse fans chirp me all the time because I think they're about the 20th best team in the country and sixth in the ACC. They don't have a point guard. Now, White and Gillen aren't, aren't point guards by trade, but they're senior guys. They're both fifth-year grad transfers. They can at least help out. Um, so those are two guys, and White's a phenomenal shooter. He was a highly regarded recruit, started at Kansas, didn't really work out there, went to Nebraska. Played one year in Nebraska and scored like 16 a game there last year. Shot the ball really well from three. Um, and a transfer that people aren't really talking about a whole ton is Canyon Barry, the son of uh, Rick Berry, who transferred uh, to Florida. Florida would have been okay last year, but they were god-awful at shooting free throws. Mm-hmm. Canyon Barry is like an 85 88% free throw shooter. Helps immediately, again, a senior transfer or fifth-year transfer. He's going to go in. He's going to start. Uh, and Florida has talent on their roster. Uh, I think they're getting overlooked a little bit in the top 25 rankings. Or when you talk about the top 30 teams, they still have Casey Hill, who's an experienced point guard, which goes a long way in college basketball. Um, uh, Igbandu, who's their big, who's their big guy. Uh, Kayvon Allen. So they have talent on that roster. Uh, Barry will help just kind of solidify, be, be another score shooter. Um, which i kind of need so those are the transfers that i'm really kind of of watching
1: well damn it sounds like um gonzaga is completely rebuilt there which is uh good to see because we'll get into it later they technically are a mid-major but i don't think they're a mid-major anymore right but um yeah it and that's and that's why they can rebuild like that most mid-majors there's no chance in hell you're getting one if not all three of those guys yeah yeah exactly uh, and it'll be good. I, I'm really glad. I didn't know about that Virginia one you mentioned because they're great to watch. They're great on defense. But that offense, man, and now with, with Brogdon being gone, there are certain games you'd watch and it would just be so – it was like how they make fun of Big Ten football, the way it's so slow when running the ball. Virginia offensively certain games was rough, really rough. Well, it's weird is
2: they're – I mean, they're very efficient on the offensive side of the ball. They, true, true, they just true. take forever to, to – to go they want to slow the game it's almost, like,
1: it's almost like that Hoosiers mentality where it's everyone touches the ball and then we shoot yeah. type
2: yeah
1: so yeah no that makes sense I, I get it. that makes sense um and that and that Jamie Dixon I'm really looking forward to that because uh I know he did his thing at Pitt he couldn't quite get it done and it's always it's always interesting to see a, a guy go back to his alma mater like that so that should be a should be pretty cool to see especially in the big 12 um Let's now now talking of the big conferences. There's seven or so big conferences in college basketball. We'll do we don't have to go super deep unless you're feeling like it, but uh, let's get a quick run through. We'll start with the ACC. Um, what are you thinking of them, kind of the top teams and whatnot in that conference? Yeah, I mean, this one you have to go deep in because there's 12
2: teams that can make the NCAA tournament. Uh, they could break the old Big East record for most teams in the tournament. Um, obviously, at the top. You kind of break them into tiers, is the way I kind of look at it. Uh, and the tier by themselves is Duke, obviously. When they're healthy, they're the best team in the country, most talented team in the country. They're still in the tier by themselves. And you go after that, and like two to seven is wide open when you look at the likes of Virginia, Louisville, um, NC State, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, North Carolina you could put them in any order and i would believe it um and then after that those are teams i could see really contending for the acc title after that is a group that i i don't see winning the acc title but they're tournament teams um again they could finish as high as third or fourth and i wouldn't believe or i i wouldn't be surprised uh and they could finish 12th <laughs> and i wouldn't be surprised cuz that's how deep this league is but those are the clemsons Miami's um, uh, Clemson Miami you look at uh, Notre Dame Florida State those teams that uh, they'll be in and out of top 25 but they'll still be like 10th in the ACC Uh, it is a phenomenal league this year
1: uh, and by far the best best conference in America this year that's great to hear Um, and that that just that'll make um, what is it usually like Mondays and Wednesdays or whatever they're big on yeah, Friday, Thursday. No, yeah they're, on, yeah, they're Monday, Wednesday. Monday, Wednesday on ESPN. That means their matchups almost every time will be great. If if it's that deep, that means you'll it's, you you would not be surprised like you're saying if like the 11th best team knocks off the third best or something.
2: No, no, because I mean you're still probably talking at that point. You know, the 11th yeah. best team you're looking at like a Florida State, who would probably be on the bubble for the NCAA tournament playing like,
1: for, like know, Louisville or something. Yeah,
2: Louisville, who's probably like 12th in the country.
1: That's awesome. That, and, that, and, again, that's what I was talking about earlier. That's what makes college basketball so great is it's just the depth The depth of college basketball is unreal. Um, now, Duke's had a couple big injuries this, this offseason leading up to the season. I know they're going to get their guys back and whatnot, but you don't think that's going to take them out of the, the running as best in the country?
2: Uh, no, because they'll, they'll be back healthy at some point. Um, None of the injuries yet have been incredibly serious. Uh, You worry a little bit about Harry Giles with his just knee history, but if he can give you 20 minutes a game, I mean, before he tore up his knee, he was considered the best prospect in the world a couple years ago, and that includes Ben Simmons, even Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, He was that good, or, or is that good, I should say. So, you know, and they're still just so deep. I mean coming off their bench you look at they're still going to have a McDonald's All-American in in Frank Jackson coming off the bench McDonald's All-American last year and Chase Jeter um Luke Kennard another McDonald's All-American they're going to have eight nine man eight nine man roster that you can play and and they're not going to be they're not going to be going from number one to number 10 in the country or anything like that. The talent's still there. Uh, they might look a little bumpy when everyone's back, just kind of feeling each other out. But, uh, I mean, with helps having Shashetsky at hand. Yeah. He's obviously the best coach in college
1: basketball. So I, I'm not worried about them at all. Okay. Uh, last question on the ACC, then. It's on Duke as well. So you're saying they're as deep as they are, which I've, I've read and seen elsewhere – I hate to be this guy, how would you compare them to that Kentucky team that was like 10 deep?
2: I still think that Kentucky team was, was better. Um, I mean, you look at – especially when you look at like the, the depth in the front court, and, again, there wasn't injury problems with that Kentucky team. Um, True. Like there is with this Duke team. If you're looking as close to apples to apples as possible, but that that Kentucky team, I mean – when you ran a, a front court of Trey Lyles, Dakari Johnson, Carl Anthony Towns, Willie cauley Stein, and Marcus Lee, the front court for Duke, they're they're not competing with that. The other thing is Kentucky, they had two point guards. Andrew Harrison and Tyler Eulis are two natural point guards. Duke does not have a natural point guard on their on their roster. Jackson's more of a, is scouted as a two. Grayson Allen scouted as a two Matt Jones is a wing, but they all can play point because they all have the ability to drive and kick. Um, I'm big. My biggest thing is how good is your point guard? You know, yeah. teams like Duke can get around it because they have a Grayson Allen and a Frank Jackson, but you know, there's those teams that are borderline top 25. They're not going to be ever be title contenders without that
1: point guard. Well, and that makes sense. Like you said, with Syracuse, uh, and right. it's the college, game, the college game in general. is it, it is so important to have that point guard and that leader out there unless you're deep, deep, like you said, Duke is. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, we'll move on to the Big Ten uh, or the Big, and this one's kind of important to me as a Wisconsin fan. Uh, what's your takeaway coming in? Uh, Wisconsin's looking strong, but everyone's talking about him, which I absolutely, absolutely hate. Deanna's always tough. There's a lot of depth as normal, not like the ACC. But what's your take on the big? big yeah, time?
2: I'm all in on Wisconsin. I've kind of been that way since the get go. Uh, I mean, it's hard not to be. They return literally everybody from last year, and they get a full year and a full off season under Greg Gard, uh, which is going to go a long way. You're, you know, you're not doing the, the coaching handoff halfway through the season. Um, I think Ethan Hap is a legit star on that team. I am as, I have him as first team All American. Um, he's a unique player because he's 6'10", but led the Big Big Ten in steal rate last year, which you just never see. Um, After Wisconsin, you know, Michigan State suffered some injuries, which to, to Ben Carter and Gavin Schilling, two of their big guys, which really is going to make them tough to judge off the bat. But, you know, they'll be an Izzo team. They'll lose a couple games early, but they'll be a three-seed, four-seed come, come March, and everyone's putting them in the Final Four.
1: Oh, Always um, scary.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I think Wisconsin wins that conference by about two games. Um, Michigan State right behind them. Indiana. Again, they, they have point guard questions. Yogi Ferrell meant so damn much to that team last year. They're trying to bring in – they're trying to play Josh Newkirk, who's a transfer from Pittsburgh. I like the pieces they have. I really like O.G. Ananobi. Thomas Bryant's a good center. But – I don't trust that team yet. I I want to see what they look like without Yogi. Um, A team that I'm really interested in, though, is Michigan. If they're healthy, they can finish in the top four in that conference. I think they finish fourth above Purdue um, because, again, strong guard play with Derek Walton, Zach Irvin, Duncan Robinson. Um, I'm a huge Beeline fan. So – you know, Purdue, they have front court again, as it is with Purdue every year. How's their guards? They don't have great guards. They have guard questions. You know, they're relying on Spike Albrecht, who's coming off of injuries uh, and, and, a tra- and a grad transfer from Michigan. So I, I'm not as high on them as, as a lot of other people, but I, I really think it's Wisconsin's to lose.
1: So so I saw somewhere today um, a little gambling angle here. Uh, Wisconsin was like plus two twenty to win the Big Ten or something. You you actually think that's pretty decent? What you are saying? Oh yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, you are getting two to one odds um, on yeah. a team on a team that I think is the sixth best team in the country. Yeah. And I, I like I said, I really think now I'd have to look at schedules because again, it's always an unbalanced schedule. Who do you get at home? Who do you get once? Um, you know, because that's yeah. the one tricky thing with unbalanced schedules is, hey, a team that might get. Minnesota and Rutgers twice, you're getting those teams once, and then you're having to play, you know, Purdue and Ohio State twice instead. Mm-hmm. That just – the error – the margin for error it just kind of sucks there um, because you're taking advantage of – again, you can only play who's on your schedule, but you're kind of taking advantage of that. But, yeah, I I I would like Wisconsin at,
1: at plus 210. Okay, good to know because I was, I was surprised to see it that high with, like I said, all the talk everyone – it seems every person I've heard or read is on Wisconsin, so I was I was surprised to see that number. So that's good to know. Um, moving on, SEC. Everyone knows them as the football powerhouse. Basketball, like you said, Florida looks like they'll be good. Uh, you always have Kentucky, of course. That's a no brainer. Um, what What's the outlook? Outside? We'll let you start with Kentucky and then go from there.
2: I mean, it's it's Kentucky and everybody else. Um, yeah, Kentucky again, another loaded roster. Not shocking when you look at the All Americans they're bringing in. Uh, Their backcourt is incredibly strong when you look at De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, and Isaiah Briscoe. Problem is, can anybody be that knockdown shooter, especially Malik Monk? Um, The floor needs to be spread for these guys so they can get to the lane, which is what they're the best at, especially De'Aaron Fox. Um, I don't see anyone in this conference challenging Kentucky. They should win they should win this conference by multiple games it wouldn't shock me if they go undefeated again in conference play but you know
1: i think they end up losing two three games maybe gotcha gotcha all right we'll move on to the big 12 Uh, a lot of coaching or three or four coaching changes or new coaches in the area um it's always interesting with like oklahoma and texas and oklahoma state and some of the other teams in the big 12 west virginia now with huggy bear and and all those guys um What's your outlook on the Big 12? It's, it's really
2: down from last year. I mean, the Big 12 was, when you look at like Ken Palm, it was the best conference in America for four out of the last five years. Uh, this year, it's, it's down, I mean, which is not shocking when you lose, you know, Buddy Heald, Wayne Seldon, Perry Ellis, uh, George Nyang, um, Jameel McKay. I mean, just a list of talent of, of guys that have gone uh, onto the NBA and and overseas and whatnot. It's I mean, it's Kansas is gonna win this league. The real race is for number two. I think it's Texas. I really like what Shaka's done in terms of recruiting there. He has a team that he can run havoc with, with uh, especially with freshman uh, Jared Allen, who's an athletic big guy, legit seven footer. Um, so. I, again, it's almost like the SEC where it's Kansas and everybody else, but Texas is a really strong second team there. Um, West Virginia, I just don't trust their offense. Iowa State, man, Monty Morris is a hell of a player. It's going to be his team. If they can play some defense and get a little depth, that's a team that wouldn't shock me to finish second. So one of those three teams will will make the jump to to that second. I think it's Texas.
1: Ooh. No, it's good because Shaka, uh, we all love them at VCU, and um, he seems to have started to work his magic there at Texas slowly but surely. So uh, it'd be fun to watch them uh, give give Kansas a little push, I guess. Because it's like you said, SEC and Big Twelve. It's K- Kentucky and Kansas, and it seems to be like a broken record these days. What does yeah. Kansas have, what's Kansas have? Is it like is it thirteen straight? Tw- Big Twelve. Twelve. Tw- 12. If they 12. win this year, they tie UCLA at thirteen. <laughs> My, that's crazy because, like I was saying earlier and you have said, is the depth of college basketball to pull something like that off is pretty freaking nuts.
2: Well, especially because the Big 12 has been good. It's not like they've been dominating, you know, the Atlantic yeah. 10 or something like that. I mean, it's it's a great conference.
1: Yeah, that's pretty nuts. Uh, move on to the AAC, uh, UConn, SMU, uh bunch of teams in there. It's kind of – some consider it a mid major, but it's still a lot of a lot of good basketball conference teams. Uh what are you looking at in the AAC? I disagree. I think this conference sucks. Um oh really?
2: Yeah, I I think it sucks. I mean there's the bottom of that conference is just utter garbage. Um you know yeah, UConn, Cincinnati, those are your top two this year. Those should be your top two every year. But again, they're I mean, UConn, I think, is a little bit better than Cincinnati, but they're both fringe top-20 teams. It's not like you have that bell cow. I mean, yeah, you can say, well, UConn won four titles since, you know, 99 or whatever, but they won one as an eight seed. They won one as the worst. in eleven. when they played Butler as a three seed. It was the worst finals game ever. So I don't like the NCAA tournament as a – or I don't like saying, well, you won the NCAA tournament. That shouldn't be kind of your – I don't use that as a good way to judge seasons and, and programs and whatnot because teams can get hot for six games. That's the oh, thing yeah. with one and, done, one and done tournaments, which we love. But, I mean, was UConn really the best team when they beat Kentucky? and Not a back chance. As a, as a seven seed? So, yeah, exactly. I don't think either of those teams are the best teams in the country. Whoever won. Um, SMU, they're a bubble team. Um, they have some talent. I like Shake Milton there a lot. He's a guy that, as a freshman, really shot well. Uh, he's you know he's a first round NBA prospect. Um, I just after that it's just it's garbage. It should be a three team league. Temple's down this year. Houston's down. I just don't like. I just don't like that conference. Um, and it should be UConn and Cincinnati every year. They should be head and shoulders above everybody every year. But hell, they finished fourth and fifth last year. So it kind of shows that hey, maybe these programs aren't as good being an American as they were in the Big East. You know, UConn's you still getting top talent. Cincinnati, yeah. it's not like they recruit great. Um, I, I don't know. I just I it's it's honestly it's my least favorite conference.
1: Um, um, do you think a lot of the teams being down so much is maybe myself and other people viewing falsely in the past when their talent levels are so equally bad that the games were good and the conference looked challenging or is everyone's roster just depleted and maybe in a year or two with recruits rumored to be coming in or whatever that it's going to rebuild or is it just going to be garbage for a while? I mean, I think it'll be gar. I think the bottom of that league
2: will always be garbage. Okay. Um, but, you know, teams like Memphis, they should be back to, with with Tubby, they should be getting a little bit better. Um, Temple needs to be more consistent. There's just so much inconsistency in that that league. When you look at the That's temples, right. when you look at the temples, the Houston's, the Memphis, Tulsa never like Tulsa always had this hype the last couple of years. Never really lived up to it. Um, but they're going to be inconsistent. So it's just that they just need if they can get four teams that are consistent to make up for the bottom half of that league. I think they're heading in the right direction that way, but I just don't know. I could see Memphis becoming a little more consistent with Tubby, but I mean, will Temple ever be consistent? Will Houston ever be
1: consistent? I, I just don't see it happening. Okay. No, that makes total sense. That makes a, a lot of sense actually. Uh, let's move on to the big East, which used to be a, well, still is pretty good uh, college basketball powerhouse. Uh, not quite what it, other conferences are now, but uh you know what I mean? There. What are you looking at in the Big East this year? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of a narrative that that people say that I
2: I don't I don't see anymore. Um, hell, they have two top ten teams in the country this year in in Xavier and Villanova. I don't. I mean, outside the ACC, how many other conferences can say that? Um, True. You know, and then defending national champs. The, right, right. Defending national champs. Xavier is a two seed last year. Uh, they send five teams to the tournament every year, so it's not. I mean. The big, big East always kind of got this knack this because it wasn't the old Big East, which is fine. Like, it's guess what? Nothing's the old Big East. The big, old Big East is gone. It's never coming back. Um, so it, it, I think they should shed the label of, well, it's not the old Big East. Um, you know, if, if this was just named something different, if this was named Catholic Private School U, or private school conference people would think of
1: it i think completely differently um you're probably hundred percent right that's probably why i made the, right. the the comment that i did because like when people hear big east they, they envision like mcnamara with syracuse right. and all these guys that aren't there anymore because now you have xavier and creighton and these schools which are still great schools and great programs but you don't associate them like you're saying totally that is a great analogy you put together there right and and i think you know
0: for
2: schools like when you when you look when they when this new biggies came about, Xavier Creighton, uh, you know they had to shed the A10 label. Like Xavier, they've been a good program, a consistent program, but they were always kind of viewed as that—not mid-major, but they're not a power conference. Well, hell, when you look at they've done, you know, number two seed last year, top ten this year, they got a number six recruiting class in the country for next year right now. Wow, they're a power conference, like they're a power school. Um, I think they're going to be really good this year. Creighton has one of the best backcourts in the country this year. They can stay healthy in the frontcourt. And Isaiah Zierden, who's a knockdown shooter, they're a top-20 team. And, again, kind of looking at tiers, I think you know Villanova, Xavier are in their own top two. Creighton's kind of by itself. Then four to, like, eight with Seton Hall, um, Butler, you know, those two teams, Georgetown, who I'm not really high on, and Marquette, you know, you can. I think Seton Hall finishes four, but you can convince me anyone will kind of finish up in that level. Providence is going to take a step back this year, but be back next year. Um, and then St. John's and DePaul are, are your bottom feeders, but St. John's is getting better. So, I mean, when you look at heading to the future, nine of the ten teams are in the right direction, with DePaul just kind of being there. Now who knows when they get their
1: new arena? If that helps or anything, but ninety percent is pretty pretty damn good. Oh yeah, when you, when you list off all those teams right there, definitely uh, should shake the uh, old label. That is a loaded conference. Man. Yeah, like they'll, they'll get five in the tournament again this year. That's almost like it's it's no ACC. But when you're saying when you said with the ACC, how you could see you know like the the eleven beating the three or whatever. The Big East, that's what makes that tournament so great every year is anybody can win that almost any year. Yeah, and I think what the Big East yeah. should – I think what the Big East you'll kind of start seeing is then more
2: like the Big 12 because you're playing the round-robin schedule in the regular season, you know, 10 teams. Um, you, you do have your, your flag bears in Villanova and Kansas, but, you know, teams like Oklahoma who have somewhat of a history, teams like Texas who have somewhat of a history – um Teams like Iowa State, Oklahoma State, you know, all those teams have a little bit of a history and they've competed every year. I mean, they've been two seeds. They've been three seeds. They've, you know, been the final fours. Well, Big East is starting to get that way. You know, Xavier will make a final four soon. Creighton, you know, they're kind of like Oklahoma where they have a little bit of history. They'll be a two, three seed. Marquette has history. They should be back. Uh, Georgetown has a ton of history. So it's – I think you'll see them almost turning more into the big 10 than the ACC. I'm sorry. Big 12.
1: I like that. And uh, I didn't know. I I've, I've known Xavier. Xavier has been a really good team for years, a 10 now, but uh, that number six recruiting class that might even get better. That is crazy. Yeah. Only in the fact, only in the fact, when you think of it compared to all the other comp schools in the nation. And they're actually, the kids are actually choosing to go there, which is awesome to see. And, um, that's just going to make them, like you said, two seed last year, preseason top ten. Obviously, it's only going to make them better. That's uh, that's awesome. I did not know that. That's great. All right, last major conference we will get into here is the Pac-12 coming out west. Uh, you got uh, Cal still hanging around there. Oregon was the the darling of the league last year. Um, Arizona's always hanging in there. What are you seeing in the Pac-12 this year?
2: Uh, you know, Oregon. It should be Oregon's to lose with with. It was supposed to be a real two horse race with Arizona and Oregon, but Arizona's just had so many question marks, and they still have question marks. I mean, they lose Ray Smith, which is one of the saddest stories in college basketball. And I mean, the season hasn't really truly started yet, and the kid had to retire from basketball at uh at the age of nineteen. I think he's still nineteen. Um just from, from three ACL injuries. So, you know, that that sucks. He was going to be a hell of a player for them. You have the Alonzo Trier situation where he's not – I mean, the rumor is he's suspended with PED use. People think it's Adderall. Um, who knows when he comes back. He's not in Hawaii right now. I mean, he's a guy that decided to come back to college instead of going to the NBA last year. I, and then you got Chance Comanche, who is a 6'11 center. He's suspended indefinitely for academic reasons. So right off the bat, there's three guys that were going to be in the rotation. I mean, they're still going to be talented. They're still good. They still do have talent. But there's so many question marks that they're just they're 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 back from Oregon now. It's 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 Oregon and then a jump to Arizona and UCLA. UCLA is an intriguing team this year. Lonzo Ball is a is the guy that they needed. He's a, he's a natural point guard. He's a playmaker. Let's Bryce Alford move off the ball. Um, you have another McDonald's All-American in TJ Leaf. Uh, Isaac Hamilton, who scores like 18 a game, is, is there. Alford has to have a good season to kind of save his job. They could easily finish second in the Pac-12. I think they're that second, third team. And then it's open after that, you know. Can Fultz lead Washington, Colorado, um, Oregon State? You know they they'll be, be they'll be down a little bit, but there's a lot of question marks in that conference. And even with Oregon, I mean Dylan Brooks, who's their best players, I, I had a foot injury and hasn't even played yet, and they're not really sure when he's coming back. So there's there's question marks up and down that conference.
1: Okay, yeah, no, it's it's been a weird conference. Um in the last few years, cause it's usually Arizona's to take, and then you always get some random teams making an effort to take it, right. and then teams, like, teams that are supposed to take it just disappear. Like UCLA with Alford has been so disappointing. Uh, U.S. team disappointing recently. Um, a handful of teams are just, they, they're just shocking. Pac-12 is a very weird basketball conference, and I see it a lot out here out west. Uh, very odd conference. Uh, yeah, it's- let's move on. Yeah.
2: It, it's just weird. Like I said, it's just, it's the one conference that has question marks up and down the entire conference this year.
1: Like you said, if, if Brooks doesn't come back healthy for Oregon, then, then who knows right. who's up and wins the conference. It could be all, could be way up for grabs. All right, let's move on to some uh, mid-major. This is the talk of – especially when it comes into February and March, but uh, nowadays it's the talk a lot sooner with some of the talented ones. Like we said, technically Gonzaga's a mid-major, but they don't count. Um, in the old days, you could have said like teams like Xavier, uh, Wichita state. I don't consider a mid-major anymore. Uh, so many teams like that. Um, give us a couple, maybe that you're, that people are, they're going to, they're going to make big runs and then some might, that might surprise you and show up out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Gonzaga's conference, the WCC,
2: St. Mary's is, is a good team this year. They're a top 20 team in the country. Um, they return everybody from last year. You know, they were a bubble team last year. What really cost them was their non-conference. Well, they're coming to Dayton next week. Um, they kind of upped that a little bit. So that's a team that should be a relatively decent seed in the NCAA tournament as long as they take care of business, non-conference, and then WCC. They can get one from Gonzaga. You know, if they, if they split the regular season and lose conference finals, they should be safely in. Um, so St. Mary's is is probably my favorite quote mid major. Uh, you look at Valparaiso, Uh, yeah, they lose Bryce Drew, but Alec Peters is back. He's a guy that he he's a, they run their offense through him, and he's a, a forward center. Um, but he can shoot the shit out of the ball. I mean, he's one of the most pure shooters in, in college basketball. He's good enough to carry that team. Um, you know, they kind of suffered some heartbreak and. In the Horizon League tournament last year, they pushed Maryland a couple years ago and then say tournament. Um, that's one where Peters is good enough to get them there and potentially win a game. Um, the Ivy League has two teams this year. Uh, you know, they were three really, but Yale losing Makai Mason to foot injury for the year kind of pushes them back. And Harvard and Princeton are two teams that people should pay attention to. They're both receiving votes already in the top 25. Um, there are two teams that, unfortunately, I don't think they'll get an at-large. Only one will get in. But whoever gets in, I mean, they'll probably be like a 12 or 13 team, 12 or 13 seed. And they'll be the team that everyone kind of pencils in as the win over the five or the four. Um, and then Monmouth is, is still there with Justin Robinson, you know, last year everyone thought they would have gotten in an, an at large. Uh, Robinson is, is, again, good enough player to carry a mid major through the through its conference. If he gets, I mean, we see it every year. If one guy from a major gets hot in March, they win that first game on Thursday, Friday. So those are the teams that I'm kind of really looking at in terms of quote mid majors. If you really want to get deep, you know, a team like Winthrop, um, but again. I don't know if they're good enough to not be, you know, not be like a 15 seed. Um, but so it's it, it's a weird year for mid majors because
1: it's almost a lot, it's almost missing its term of mid major. Okay. Well, yeah, and I think that that has a lot to do with teams like Wichita State and Gonzaga, where right. people don't people don't take them lightly anymore. And they're they like I think it was last tournament there was there were 12 seeds that were favored over five seeds and stuff like that. Right. Um, it just goes to show you that people are starting to understand. Like, Harvard is a good team. Valpo, like you said, Peters, for a big man, he it's he's beautiful to watch. <laughs> that guy can just shoot yeah. the lights on the place. And I love St. Mary's. They're about an hour and a half away from me. And um, that program is always entertaining. And the, the Mary's Gonzaga games are something special in the WCC. And they'll be really good this year. I know that you got me, you reminded me, I got me a little psyched. I might have to go check out the, the ticket sales after this. Go <laughs> we'll make a trip down there. Um, now, we know a lot of the big names. You've mentioned some of the big names in uh, these conferences. Um, give us a player or two that no one really knows about now, that by the end of the season, not saying they're going to be all Americans or players of the year, but they will definitely be, people will know them pretty easily come the end of the tournament or so.
2: Yeah, so some names that I, I kind of have written down. Uh, Jonathan Isaac from Florida State. He was a McDonald's All American that's coming into this year, um, but he's not really talked about because he's not at a major school despite being a McDonald's All American. Uh, and Florida State could finish 11th in the ACC. Uh, he's one of those guys that I think could be better in the NBA. Uh, and people go, well, what happened to him in college? Um, but he's. He's you know 6'10, lanky, a little bit Brandon Ingram in him. Um, so he's a name to, to keep an eye out for. Peter Jock from Iowa. He was like the fourth, you know, the fourth banana last year on that team. Well, everyone's gone except for him. He might get 20, 25 shots a game. So he's gonna put up ridiculous stats. Uh, at Arkansas, Moses Kingsley, he might win SEC player of the year. A lot of casual fans might not know him because, again, he's playing for Arkansas. It's a team that's bubble, you know, always on the bubble for the NCAA tournament. They're not Kentucky. They're not Florida. Um, and Arkansas is just – I feel like they're always just like that weird school that everyone forgets about. He's a guy He's a double-double machine. He can score. He's a good rebounder. Um, so he's someone – breakout candidate that everyone has this year, uh, including me, is Donovan Mitchell at Louisville. He – uh. He can put you on a poster real fast. He did last year as a freshman. He needs to develop a little more consistent outside shooting. Um, but the way that that Louisville runs, that offense is going to be balanced. He's going to be a guy that you need to know in the ACC. It's um, sticking in the ACC. Every year at Notre Dame, we see somebody make a jump. We saw it with Jerry and Grant. We see it with Demetrius Jackson. This year, it's VJ, VJ Beachum he's been a starter the last two elite eight teams. Um, he averaged double digits this year. It's, it's kind of his team. Uh, I think you see him make that same jump that we saw Jackson and, uh, and Grant make. So those are the ones that I had written
1: down off the top of my head. No, that's awesome. Um, I'm not happy to hear about an Iowa player, but, um, <laughs> is what it is now. But, uh, I'm, I want to check out this Arkansas guy because uh, their games are fun to watch. Similar to Florida State, actually. Um, usually competitive teams, no one really talks about them, like you said, because they're in a conference that they get overshadowed in. Um, and this Kingsley kid, that could be fun in the way Arkansas runs their uh, their basketball right. team. Um, speaking of players, now there's be some players we definitely know. Give us some of your uh, player of the year candidates, and who do you think will end the season as the player of the year? Yeah, I mean, it's a wide-open
2: race for Player of the Year. I mean, I don't remember a year where it's been this
1: wide open in the
2: preseason for National Player of the Year. I mean, last year it ended up being kind of crazy, but everyone penciled in Ben Simmons or Chris Dunn last year. Um, This year, I mean, the list of guys who can win National Player of the Year, you look at Josh Hart, you look at Markel Fultz, you look at like a Dennis Smith from North Carolina State, you look at Grayson Allen or Jason Tatum from Duke – you look at Monty Morris from Iowa State. And what makes it weird this year is the top ten. When you look at who wins National Player of the Year, it's the best player on the best team or a guy like Jimmer or McDermott who just put up you know 28 points a game and they're well-known. Well, this year is a little weird because Grayson Allen might not be the best player on Duke. Um, you know, if somebody from Kentucky, you know, De'Aaron Fox might not be the best player on Kentucky, though he might be up for the award or Malik Monk. Um, so, it, my per, and then and then guys like Fultz and and Dennis Smith, well, they're going to finish in the maybe the bottom half of their conference, but they're going to put put up absurd numbers. So it's one do you overlook that. You know, I think it's going to end up being Josh Hart is is my pick. Um, I think he's he's one of the most efficient players in the country. He rebounds well, especially from a guard standpoint, from a wing standpoint. Um, he'll He's not going to blow you away with points per game. He'll average like 16, 17 points a game. But Villanova's going to win 30 games. He's the best player on that team. They're going to be a number one, number two seed. They're the reigning champs. A 17-7 seven stat line, 17-5 stat line. Um, I think Hart ends
1: up winning. Wow. No, that's good. Um, he was awesome in the tournament last year. He had an awesome season last year, but he definitely put his name on the, the national level, obviously, when you win a, win a national title like that. Um, God, that team's going to be loaded yet again. Um, what surprise teams do you think will make March Madness that kind of, you know, Obviously, you're going to have some in the ACC because it's so deep. But uh, what kind of surprise teams are you thinking of to make the uh, NCAA tournament that will make it? Yeah, um, give us a couple, give us a couple that won't too that everyone thinks is automatic. If you want,
2: see that that's tough to think like who's not going to make it that's automatic because it's so hard to picture. I yeah. mean, there's so many at large bids; it's hard to picture somebody not getting there. You know, I could see someone like Georgetown not making it. Um, and they're just thought of as almost a staple in the NCAA tournament, whatnot. It wouldn't surprise me if they don't make it. Um, teams that that could make it, um, you know, you look at, like, Washington. Uh, that roster's not great, but Fultz is that good. Um, he could carry them there, you know, like a Kemble Walker type, um, you know, as a as a play-in team or, you know, a top 10 or, you know, number 10 seed or something like that. Um, in the SEC, I don't know, you know, I don't think anybody will really surprise you from there. I think you're just looking at a three-team um, biggies. You know, Butler, I don't think they'd shock anybody if they get in, but, you know, Marquette could get hot and get in. Um, if they, you know, if they finish fourth in that conference. Um, again, they can kind of take advantage of, of, of how open it is after the top two there. They're kind of the top three. Um, the ACC, I mean, their Florida State. Really, would be the only surprise. But hell, like I said, well, you can get twelve teams in that conference in there, and and it's not going to shock anybody.
1: Yeah. Um, any, I I know I, I said I hate using the term mid major team. That even if it's if if they win their conference, it doesn't have to be that big of a surprise. But that can make it to the tournament that you actually think can make a run, like you know, like Wichita State did in recent years, or Butler, or stuff like that. I mean, the only teams, I can, see, the only teams
2: <laughs> I can see, actually doing that is Gonzaga or St. Mary's. Um, okay, That's yeah, I, fast I, fast. I don't think anybody's, I don't think anybody's <laughs> that good to make a run uh, from again from the obvious ones. Yeah,
1: right? and, it, and it sounds like this year that some of these these power conferences, the top-heavy teams are very top-heavy this year where it's going to be a lot tougher than those, those years to knock them off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, let's get to the meat and potatoes here. Give us your final four prediction and your title game winner. Obviously, it's, it's so hard without brackets or anything, but I'll go uh, – my final four
2: will be Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, and I'll go – I'll go Wisconsin as my four, um, and I have Kansas over Kentucky
1: in my title game. Nice. Um, okay, I got one last question for you. We talked about how crazy I, – I could ask you a ton of more questions, but we talked <laughs> about how, how crazy uh, this opening week weekend is. Um, and one thing I really love about college basketball is these early season tournaments. Yeah. yeah. Like you got Bahamas, you got Atlantis, Hawaii, uh, so many, NIT, all of them. What is the one you're looking forward to the most? I know I didn't put it on the schedule, but I have a feeling you have a rough idea on something. It it, it, it has to be Maui this year.
2: I mean, Maui this year has yeah. Oregon, North Carolina, Oklahoma State, um, Wisconsin I think is out there so it's I mean that that is an unbelievable tournament this year which they need because battle for Atlantis has been getting better than them the last couple seasons um, but this is the this is the one that they that they really need that I'm looking most forward to I mean t- Tennessee yeah they're not gonna be great but Yukon's out there Georgetown's out there so I I mean, you're looking at a possible UConn, North Carolina, and Oregon-Wisconsin semifinals. Three That's of those awesome. teams are in the top ten. That's so, awesome. Yeah, I mean, one, one of those teams could potentially get two top ten wins in, in three days. Um, so I, I would say Maui is the one that that you really need to if, – if you can only watch one, go Maui. Um, Battle for Atlantis, it's, it's good this year. Um, but it's just so hard to pass up the Maui, you know, battle for Atlantis. You got Louisville. I mean, this is the one last year where Syracuse was there uh, and made a run and, and, and won it last year. This year you got, you know, Michigan state, Baylor VCU, Louisville, Wichita state. So it's, I mean, there are only two ranked teams there right now. I don't, I don't love the field, but I mean Maui. Maui's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, when you start naming off three top ten teams and then the the surrounding cast there, my God, that thing! he right. almost couldn't fill up a, a region in a bracket that good. Right, right. Um, that is crazy. Well, awesome. Um, that about wraps up the outline. Uh, wraps up. You gave the best cliff notes version of a preseason preview we could do there's like i said so much more we could talk about um i'll definitely have to have you on again some other time later in the season or something yeah Uh, where i'll let you say where can these fine folks reach you and hear more of your stuff
2: yeah you can follow me at barstool rigs uh it's r-e-a-g-s all one word um i'm on barstool sports every day monday to friday sometimes saturday Uh, During the season, Um, I have my own podcast with uh, Terrence Payne from NBC Sports, uh, which is called Storm the Court PC. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Uh, That site or that Twitter handle is Storm the Court PC. Um, We have some great guests on there, um, some former players and and whatnot. So, yeah, you guys find me there. Um, Like I said, I'm on Twitter quite a bit trying to trying to tweet out as much as possible because there's always a game on it seems like especially early so yeah barstool reeks
1: yeah no and uh, i can't say it enough he's on there a lot lots of good information very interactive um lots of articles uh i think he have it seems like at least one a day almost at times uh at least if not more always good content if you guys are you guys got Time to Kill her. you're curious, he's pretty much previewed almost every conference out there, especially the big ones. Um, Give a quick read on those. Lots of good stuff. The podcast is great, especially for all college basketball fans. Check him out. Regs. thanks again for uh, coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. We definitely will do it again sometime. And, everybody, that was Bits with Bubba, Episode 9. Check us out, thesportsdjns.com, and we will see you guys later.
0: Life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance because you'll feel protected no matter how the wind blows. Also, you can keep enjoying the home of your dreams. And our expert agents can help you save up to 23% when you bundle home with auto. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.